0: With me today is financial advisor and money coach, Jody Lynn Craven. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And we're especially happy because this experiment that I've been working on for the last, what, three months or something like that, trying to marry StreamYard to Zoom, and I actually had succeeded a little bit. You know, we kind of had it for like a week or so there, but didn't quite work. The machine was overloading. Well, I finally got that computer memory installed. And guess what? It works.
1: It It works. Oh, my God. It works. (laughs) 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 Isn't that the best feeling, Walt?
0: (laughs) It is. It's a great feeling. You know what's really weird about it, Jody, is I had not actually hoped to do this for any really good reason. It was more like I just want to be able to do it. I mean, 99% of our listeners are just hearing the audio. They don't even see the video. Yeah. The small percentage that actually do see the video are a very small percentage. They don't really care about the stuff that I'm looking at, but I cared. Yeah. It was important to me. Yeah. And Almost to the point of obsession, which I have to kind of take a look at. But I mean, I, I was determined to make it work and I finally got it to work. And plus we got a really, we were talking about this just before we got started. We get this really cool side result because what we're doing is we've got Zoom connecting through my computer through a, a, uh, a, a software called OBS. It's an open source software. And then I'm running that into StreamYard. And when it gets to StreamYard, now in Zoom, I have this. Story background. Most people don't know about that, but anybody who has seen the video knows I have this story background. It's my way of saying I've got the universe having my back, you know. So it's kind of a nice metaphor. Well, that it's a knockout background. If anybody knows what a green screen is, it's, it basically knocks out what's really going on behind me, it puts a, puts the story background in. It's kind of cool. Um, what was unexpected? Now, when you hooked in, you don't really have any kind of special background; it's just the background of the room that you're in. But yeah. we found that when you're talking, my background ends up as your green screen background on StreamYard yeah and that is just
1: freaky yeah <laughs> it is uh, we don't, I don't even know how it happened <laughs> <laughs> it was a happy accident right <laughs> it, is. it is
0: it is it's a happy accident so we're very happy about it that's good but uh you know this is pretty wild and I see Pam ha- or Pam yeah Sam has uh logged in on the live stream so uh, hey there Sam glad to see you um our guest today actually bailed at the last minute, so we're going to be doing the show without a guest. But that's okay. Uh, we, we know how to do these things, and we are continuing with this new experiment of doing old stuff. Um, started on Friday with adding a deep dive, meaning a diving deep into a particular topic at some point during the show. And then on Monday, adding in the idea of bringing in Q&A, which we, ha- we haven't done in a couple of years but when we were doing it, it was really popular. We got a lot of good response out of it. We actually got to the point where um, listeners were sending in questions, too, which was a lot of fun. In fact, very often we would um, just spend an entire show on one question from one listener because it was such a great thing to to dive into. Um, so we're going to kind of get back into that again. And I've I've been picking out questions out of various groups on Facebook. And unlike in the past, Jody, what we used to do is we used to look for people who were asking questions about the law of attraction I've decided, no, 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 we need to go out further afield than that. So mm-hmm. I'm just like drawing from any group. This is, these are people who have no idea what law of attraction is, or in most cases anyway. No, they, they don't understand any of the stuff that we're talking about here. So we really have to frame everything in real world terms, mm-hmm. which is a fun challenge. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge for us, right? Yeah. And, and, And it also gives us the opportunity to kind of explore how do you talk to stuff, to people about stuff like this, without having all the vernacular, without having all the stuff we normally talk about. Because among Mm -hmm. other things, it's also going to make it easier for our listeners when they're talking to people. Oh, yeah, I remember what Walt and Jody Lynn talked about on the show. I can do the same kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So we're kind of setting a pattern here. It starts to marry the third dimension with everything else that is going on behind what our eyes can see or in front of whatever eyes can see of the, you know, the universe and energy and all of these things, because it, it becomes this concept of like, yes, that's great. And I believe it, that there's so much more going on, but how do I bring it to the tangible like. I wake up in the morning and I brush my teeth. This, this is the humanality of it, like being human. So I love that you're, you're taking questions from other groups because then it gets people into that mindset of looking at the third dimensional world, their humanity, how they're showing up from this larger energetic perspective or universal perspective. So it's brilliant. Absolutely. Well.
0: Oh, well, I can't say it's brilliant, but thank you. I appreciate that. I'll accept that. It's a very nice compliment. Um, You're but honest. it's not even original. I'm not the one who came up with it first, but nevertheless, I like it.
1: <laughs> well, kudos to them too.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yes. We appreciate all sources. It's a wonderful thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've got
0: a few questions picked out here and at some point we're going to do a deep dive into something we don't know what yet. We will find out as we go. It'll, it'll be, it'll be where we want to go in really, you know, mm-hmm. cause especially since we don't have a guest to interview, we'll have lots of time to explore things and something's going to get our attention. And when it does, we'll just dive into it. and see where we can go with it.
1: Perfect.
0: All right. So the questions that I picked up today now, I, and by the way, I've also been um, participating in a lot of these group discussions that we're finding. I actually have a VA who's going out and finding stuff for me, a different VA actually, Jody, from the one I was telling you about before this is somebody else I've hired on the side a little bit. And she, she's just going out and finding you know, appropriate questions for me to address in r- groups all over the place. And as I've been answering these questions, I've, I'm really doing it in part to build audience because you want to have more and more people finding out about uh, what we're doing here. But it's also a great way to kind of sharpen the skill that mm-hmm. we're going to be leaning on here on the show today and on future shows. And I'm liking, I'm liking the experience. I'm liking the experience and I'm liking the feedback I'm getting. People are liking what I'm saying for the most part which is always a good thing and, and I'm liking the dynamic of it. So I'm really hoping that it's kind of like a precursor for more and more people being interested in the show, but also us being more and more interested in what's going on in the wider world. I'm hoping mm-hmm. that it works both ways. Mm-hmm. So That's my goal. All right, Beautiful. so the very first question comes from, I don't remember which group this is. I should probably make a note of which groups they are, but it doesn't really matter. Um The the, the questions we have for today, for today are all relationship-based anyway, so we'll just leave it at that.
1: Ooh.
0: Now, this one says, I really need advice and help. My ex and I have been together for four years, and we broke up during COVID when his mom passed away. He was the love of my life, and he even admits he hasn't found a love like the one we had over these last few months, he's been on and off trying to see me and cuddle with me and hang out like old times. But I just found out yesterday, he's having a daughter with some girl he's known for a year, and it's happening in three weeks. He's talking about her moving in with him and trying to be a family. Now, I know it's wrong, she says, but I'm so hurt because of the last six years, I had imagined our family together. And then this is where it gets really, really um, sticky. She says, while we were in college, he and I had two abortions together. So this hurts even more because I did that for our future together. Interesting uh, rationale. Now we'll never have a future together. We agreed we loved each other and that we would take the time to date other people. But in a few years, we'd come back and settle down. Now he's made a, quote, mistake, unquote. I'm not sure what to feel. I feel hate. I feel envy toward the girl and the baby and him. And I know it's all disgusting. I'm disgusting with myself, but my feelings are everywhere. And she wonders, what can I do? How do I start to heal? How do I forget? For, how do I forget him? So it's, it's one of those real world questions that people deal with frequently. And, and, and we never really see them happen. It certainly doesn't, it's not the kind of thing that shows up on the news or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know? But people deal with it. They're, they're, they're sticky. They're messy situations, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. So it's a, it's a kind of a rough. Talk about deep dive. We're diving off the deep end with this one.
1: Ooh, we're getting yeah. right in today. Hey, we are.
0: Yeah, we we don't do half steps.
1: <laughs> I love it. So,
0: do you want to take first crack at this?
1: Oh, <sighs> well, the first thing that I would say if this individual had come to me and asked this question, um, I I would tackle the emotional side first. Um, because it feels that behind her words and a little bit within her words she's beating herself up for feeling all of these things you know feeling jealous or envious or feeling angry and upset even though this was a part of the plan and they discussed it like not the the baby part but them moving apart and she's she's feeling all of these things like the past of the abortions that they had and all this and it feels like to me, when I, when I listen to what the words that she wrote, uh, that she's beating herself up for feeling anything at all. And mm. that's where I would start is it's okay to feel your feelings. It's actually important because a, a lot of times in our society, we try and suppress and then just be happy, just shift to being positive. But what happens is we just push all of those feelings down and then we carry them around <laughs> like extra baggage with us everywhere. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it distorts everything else. So allow yourself or give yourself permission to feel it and identify what is it? Do I feel envy? Why do I feel envy? And I think a lot of these things are really normal. You know, whether I've I've had, you know, exes that, you know, I've done the breaking up. I didn't want to be with this person. I was the one that left. Right. And then when that, you know, that individual got engaged I was like in my bed underneath the covers crying. Mm, (laughs) I'm like, what's wrong with me? Because the thing that I couldn't, I guess, reconcile in my own brain is I didn't want to be with him, but I also was jealous or envious that he was at the point of getting married. And that's what I wanted from that relationship, not necessarily with him, but I mean, when I was with him, I wanted it with him, obviously, but Um, after it was over, it was like a, a gut punch because he was moving on with his life. And even though I didn't want to be with him, I wasn't at that spot with anyone. So it kind of made me feel like, uh, envious in a way or jealous that he had gotten there first and that I hadn't found my person yet. And, and I was devastated about it. So the first thing I would say is, is you need to really allow yourself to feel whatever it is. Give yourself permission. And if you're afraid of, you know, attracting, you know, we're going to loop it back to the law of attracting, attracting bad things towards you. Cause you're in a, you know, crappy mood. Just imagine yourself in a bubble and then allow yourself to feel it for 10 minutes, 20 minutes whatever you want to you have space for or you want to give your space yourself space for in this moment so that you can just get it all out and then you can start to reconcile what those feelings are and if if you actually feel them like are you feeling this loss because this person did this with someone else did you really want to be with them is that what you're saying and now you feel you know this greater depth of loss cuz he's moving on with someone else or was it oh well that was supposed to be the plan and you know i just had you know that's my my road map was supposed to go and now i don't know where it's going to go and there's that loss on that side too like where do i go next um but feeling the feelings first is what i would say
0: I love that. I think it's so important. I'm I'm glad that you brought out the importance of feeling the feelings. And I'd even add to it, feeling the feelings all the way through. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is we have a tendency, like you say, as humans to repress. And when we repress, what we're really doing is we're not allowing ourselves to feel the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, I can feel this thing that I really don't like. So I'm going to cut it off because I don't want this terrible feeling to to hang over me. And then it hangs over us because we haven't felt it all the way through. So it's kind of one of those ironic The gut punch, I think, was the phrase you used. Yeah. It's it's a really good way to describe it. That gut punch. You keep getting punched. It isn't a one-time punch that way. No. You're getting over and over and over and over and over again because you don't feel the whole thing through. Not to mention all the other issues that are going on, but just the emotional side of it.
1: Yeah. and playing yourself get through it. Yeah. I feel like we're not equipped as... As a society, as human beings, like I know I was never taught how to feel my feelings. <laughs> like yeah. and, you know, how to feel them all the way through. So it's really right. uncomfortable to sit inside of the feelings. What I have witnessed with myself and and with the students that I teach, because this is a huge part of your energy and attracting money is feeling your feelings and letting that stuff go. But when I finally allowed myself to do it and sit in those feelings as uncomfortable as it was, as an intense, as it got, it moved very quickly through me because I was allowing Mm. it to move through instead of trying to fight it. Like, I don't want to feel this. This feels gross. So that's a great point.
0: Yeah, that's really true. That's a good description too. I like the way you describe that. It's funny too, how we just, we we run away from these things. I understand why we do. I think we all understand why we run away from them, Mm -hmm. but it's the one thing that actually makes it worse. That took me a long time to learn that, that Mm -hmm. running away from it actually makes it worse Mm -hmm. because it's, it it doesn't seem like it's going to work that way. And the, the only reason I found that out is I remember the first time I just, you know, something had come up. It wasn't really, really huge, but it was big enough that I was feeling pretty overwhelmed. And I just sat with it and I I said, okay, I'm going to go with this process of feeling it all the way through. And when I felt it all the way through, I was amazed how fast it dissipated. Yes. I mean, really fast. We're not talking days. No, we're talking five minutes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even really, really big, heavy, you know, stuff Mm. it it doesn't take long when you allow yourself to feel it and all the way through and let it move through you completely it it doesn't take long yeah so
0: I, i hope more and more people start paying attention to that and believing it and teaching it to others and so forth because wow i wish i had known that when you know 30 40 years ago Mm -hmm. My life could have been so much less painful if I had understood that. Nobody told me, like you said, there were no lessons. You know, there were no classes, nothing. Nobody came along and said, well, this is what you should do when you have feelings, because this is how you actually get through them faster and so much better. No, no. The the message that usually came through was, well, you have to sit with your feelings. Well, that was about the last thing I really wanted to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially after decades of not doing it. You're like, oh no, no. Once I open Pandora's box, I'll never get her shot. That's right. (laughs) Oh god. (laughs) And I remember I had, um, I had a, an ectopic pregnancy in 2019. Mm. It was very devastating and, um, almost killed me. Uh, like wow. I was on the edge. Like if I would have went home with what the doctor was prescribing in that moment, I would have died. I just would have bled out. Wow. Yeah. So it was pretty scary. All of a sudden, you know, God, God spoke up or something to this doctor and she came back and, and she sent me to a different hospital that could do an ultrasound and, and all of this stuff. But wow. after that, there was so much packed into that, like being that close to death uh it was was very traumatic losing a baby very traumatic um my husband and i you know from a guy's perspective versus a girl's perspective especially in the early stages of pregnancy it's very different i'm not a man so i can't speak on it but for me i was already feeling my body change and like the excitement of planning the rest of my life with this new little human so the loss was it was great for me in comparison to him not that my husband wasn't sad or anything sure he just, couldn't connect the same way that I could because he, nothing changed for him except for, you know, two pink lines on a stick and then, you know, taking me to the hospital and <laughs> stuff like that, right? So it was a different. Well, also dealing with
0: what you were dealing with. I mean, he had, he was dealing with you at that time too.
1: Exactly. Um, but yeah. I remember saying to my friend, uh, she had called me and it was probably a couple of weeks after the surgery that I had and, and everything else. Um, she's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, good. Just automatic response. Good. And she's like, no how are you doing? Like, how are you <laughs> feeling? Like, tell me no, no BS here.
0: Mm. And I was
1: like, but to be honest, I don't want to feel it. And she's, she asked me why. And I said, because I f- i am afraid that if I open this, this door and, and look at all of this stuff, the, the tragedy, the loss, the being so close to death, all of this stuff, then I'm never going to get out of the black hole. Like I can see that it's a cliff mm. and I'm never going to recover it. And she said, yes, you will. You'll be fine. We've like, you've got so many people around you that care about you and love you and are watching you. And, and, you, you know, like you're a huge advocate for feeling your feelings. Like, you know, I think she said, you know, God never gives you something that you can't handle or whatever. And and that gave me Mm. the courage to feel it. And just like you said, when I actually sat with it, I was able to move through it very, very quickly, but it was that fear that was stopping me of once I open that door, I am never getting out of there. Like it's going to be blackness for the rest of my life, but it's not true. It's just, you know, like they say, false evidence appearing real fair um <laughs> that's that's exactly what it was false evidence appearing mm-hmm. real it wasn't real and i could move through it
0: that's a great story wow thanks for sharing that Thank that's you. really something
1: i've got yeah. lots of stories walt
0: <laughs> but that, that's poignant though but particularly to what this young woman went through i mean mm-hmm. it was it's very poignant you 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 share. i mean this is not something we normally talk about in society no you know Nobody this is like it, it. It, it, it's not it's not taboo but it's close
1: Yeah. Well, and I would say in some circles, abortion still is
0: definitely abortion is no doubt.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I can imagine the the guilt of those decisions Mm -hmm. that this individual had made back then, but then also now feeling kind of ripped off. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, you had mentioned it, it's a weird justification for the the reasoning why she did what she did, those two abortions. Um, I don't know that you said weird, but, you know, different justification. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, But if that was her justification, like, you know, we're not in a place to have a baby or a family and, you know, I want to be with this person, I, I could see somebody rationalizing it in their mind that way and then going through that, but also still feeling all of the guilt and the shame that. Of making that decision. And then now fast forward where, you know, they're supposed to be building this life together at some point. And she made these decisions because of the situation and now feeling ripped off because of it. Like Mm. what would have been if I would have just said yes to one of those pregnancies or, you know, how my life be different. Um, So I think there's a lot of emotion inside of this one and a lot of societal pressure of what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing or you know, very all
0: true. of that. So yeah, very yeah. true. The, the thing that I thought of, the reason I described it as, as weird at that point, a weird rationale was because they've been talking in, in, in what she described to us, they've been talking about um, having a family, but they've also been, um, apart lately. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, what is the timeline here? So in college, I can understand in college, you don't really want to have a family just yet. But on the, by the same token, I mean, it's not like she didn't know how birth control worked. So uh, what was the communication going on between them? That's what I'm wondering.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, what
0: role did he play in the fact that she got pregnant?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that,
0: that almost never gets talked about. But to me, that's a big part of it, especially yeah. since he apparently got somebody else pregnant. Like, well, well, there's a pattern going on here. What's going on here?
1: Yeah. There's yeah, okay. a
0: very big pattern here. And, and that's why I describe it as kind of weird rationale, because on the one hand, Having the abortion says, well, they didn't really want to have the kid. On the other hand, she didn't want to have the kids. But on the third hand, how many hands do we have here? On the third hand, on the third hand, he was directly involved in making that, that kid happen. And he kind of disappears from that whole conversation too. Like, wait a minute. Whoa. I guess the theme that kept running through my head was there's a lack of communication going on all over the place here. Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff that's not being discussed and I'm not saying that they should bring it out in the public. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm saying between the two of them, there's a lot of stuff that was not being talked about.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. I think a lot of relationships are like that. You know, if, if we really spoke what was on our heart and what we're afraid of or concerned of like from a heart space with that authenticity and vulnerability with our partner, it makes a huge difference in the relationship. I, Absolutely. I, you know, I'm not perfect by any means in my marriage, but I strive to be open with that communication and yes. fess up to, you know, all the things that I'm feeling, even if it's my fear of speaking of kids, I'll just be really vulnerable and honest. The other day I was having, um, a conversation and I noticed a fear that was coming up around kids. We've been trying for a few years and then we've had some troubles along the way. And Mm. I realized in my mind that I had this fear that my husband would decide at this age, whatever age, I never quantified what the age was, but <laughs> when he gets to this age, cause he's older than I am, when he gets to this age, he'll be too close to 50. And then he won't want to have a child because, you know, it's a different, oh. you know, set point. So I realized that this fear lived within me and that was really difficult for me to bring up to him. Like, Hey yeah. babe, you know, I, I have this fear. It's completely irrational potentially that you know, you're just going to decide at 45, which would be three years from now um, that you don't want to have kids because you're too close to to 50. And then, you know, we've lost our shot kind of thing. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? I've never had that thought in my mind. He's like, you know, men can have kids when they're like in their seventies. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I know I get it. But That was my fear is that at some point in time at, at this certain age, he would decide it's too close to 50, too close to retirement age, too close to whatever the next chapter and decide that's it. He doesn't want to have kids anymore. And it was a real fear that I was living with that I didn't even know. But when I saw it, I had to bring it up to him because the option is you just hold it and then you run with this fear and ruin potentially a relationship or other things will manifest or you just fess up and face it. And he was like, no, I can have kids when I'm 70. <laughs> I'm like, okay, good. There's no imaginary like marker for him, which made me feel better.
0: Well, that was interesting. Yeah, Hello again.
1: The internet. Hello. <laughs>
0: we did break the internet. Well, you know, what's really wild is I was so worried about this new setup. It never occurred to me that what would happen if the internet went out because the setup was working great. But our internet service disappeared for a moment. Like oh. what? <laughs> what happened here?
1: <laughs> uh.
0: So, unfortunately, I think I've also lost the streamer connection. I'll try to get that back, but wow. That was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, one All more of thing a to take you were me gone into and I
1: was the host. I'm like, "Oh. You're yeah. okay. Hello.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you do now, right?" <laughs> I know that feeling too. I cuz it's happened before. I've had that happen and it's it's um it's disconcerting. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right. Well, l- let me get back to where we left off when I lost connection with what you were saying. Cuz I love what you were saying. That i mean, that was the other part. I was like, "No, don't don't cut this off. This is excellent. I think this is a fabulous conversation." And uh thank you very much for for sharing that that piece from your own stuff going on cuz that, that's a big deal. Actually, Louise and I went through something similar. Really? Um when we met in 1998, we married in 99. Um, during that time of courtship, we were, you know, we, we were doing the same kind of communication you were talking about. And I agree with you entirely. That level of communication, talking about the stuff that is uncomfortable to talk about is vitally important. Mm-hmm. It's how you make a, a current relationship into a successful relationship. I agree. If it isn't already successful without that. You don't really have much of a chance. You have that. That's what relationship is. Relationship is relating. Relating is talking and listening. It's and it's talking and listening on the stuff that's important to the relationship. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, in our case, it was kind of the opposite because Louise is three years older than I am. And we met late in life. So I was 41 when we met. She was 44. We married at 42 and 45. And she felt it was too late in her life to have kids. Oh, Wow. And she had to bring that up with me, knowing that she was risking the relationship, not mm-hmm. sure what I wanted. And and actually, I did want children. It, that was a big deal to me. I had to, to sit and think think about, like, what's my priority here? Mm-hmm. Is my priority having children or is it being with Louise? And I ultimately, no, very obviously, settled on, yeah, I want to be with Louise. It's much more important to me. Yeah. But... I could never have come to that conclusion if she didn't bring it up, and if she brought it up afterward, I can only imagine what my reaction would have been.
1: Oh yeah, she did,
0: she did it the honest way. Yeah, she she did it up front.
1: Yeah, and Which by doing
0: scary. it up front, well, it is scary. It's yep. very scary, but but it was also the smart thing to do, as it turns out, because the fact that she did that actually reinforced I wanted to be with her.
1: Because mm-hmm. I wanted
0: to be with somebody that 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 honest, that open. Yep. You know, actually willing to, to deal with the stuff and and be there and, and, and be a part of it, even if it's messy, even if it's not what you had in mind, you're still able to do that. Yeah. yeah, that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, that's a really yeah. big deal. And when it's hard, when things get tough, then you know how to communicate through those because the stuff that, you know, now you're looking back and it's small potatoes, you were able to communicate effectively yeah. about those things, too. So you've just built the muscle of communication.
0: Oh, yeah. And once you build that muscle, I love the way you, you analogize that building the muscle is kind of what it is. Yeah. Another way to look at it is, it's building a habit. Yes. I think of it as as habitual communication. I mean, mean, we've we been together 22, 23 years now and it's gotten to the point now where communication is just second nature. It's like, if if we didn't communicate, that would feel abnormal.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent, which is so cool. And it is. I think that's, you know, why a lot of marriages don't succeed is because that's lacking that communication and bringing them into the world that is inside of your head and the fears and and all of that stuff. You try and people try and deal with that on their own. And, you know, you're in a partnership for a reason to deal with these things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's so much better when you do bring the partner in, because like you say, it's now a partnership that's working together. Now it's not, now you're not alone anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now you're not trying to fathom all the stuff yourself. I mean, yeah, there are still things you end up trying to navigate because that's part of what it is in life to be alive. But there's now a lot fewer of them that are going to be tripping you up along the way because you're in it together.
1: Mm-hmm. You're a team. Yeah. A team. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. The best way to be. So yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: Well, that's, that's a heck of a way to have to do a deep dive to lose connection entirely, but, uh, <laughs> There's something okay. metaphorical about that. We're talking yeah. about connection. We lost connection. Like, wait a minute, hold on.
1: <laughs> yeah. We can pick back up wherever.
0: Maybe that's the, uh, maybe that's the moral of the story. We lost the connection, but yeah. we we're able to pick it up again.
1: Mm-hmm. Why?
0: Because we just kept the conversation going.
1: Yeah. But there was the desire on both sides to keep having the yes. conversation, and keep communicating.
0: Oh, uh, by the way, that was another point I wanted to pick up on, um, in what the original post was all about. Because the questions that she asked were, what can I do? How do I start to heal? How do I forget him? And when I went to those questions, when I actually responded to her post, I started there. I started with those questions. I said, well, what can you do? There's a lot of things you can do. Went right to the second question. How do I start to heal? Well, how you start to heal, I don't know what your answer is going to be on this. I know what my answer was. My answer is you, is essentially you start to heal by going inside. hmm and and coming face to face with what it is you, that you really want because when we get when we get into these endless loops where it doesn't seem like there are any solutions and we're we're caught up in this emotional morass and so forth it's because we've forgotten what it is we want
1: yes I, we've just forgotten yeah i completely agree something that really popped out to me and and maybe i'm not understanding the timeline from her message but she was saying that He got this girl pregnant and that he wanted to move her in and, and try and be a family. And that was going to happen over the next few weeks, like meaning that she's going to be due, like she's going to have the baby in the next few weeks. Yeah, three weeks. weeks. Yeah, three weeks. Right. So the first thing that I thought from an outsider's perspective is, do you want to be with a man who, he's saying one thing to you, like cuddling you and kissing you and, you know, getting the relationship kind of like back on while he's got someone else pregnant, but you have no idea. Like he obviously did not share that until just recently, but it takes nine months for a baby to cook. So like, this is true. There's a long time in there that he could have told her this was going on. And then on the flip side of that, I think about this other woman in the relationship and I don't know what their conversations, the man and this other woman, what their conversations are like, but obviously they're talking about building a family. Do you want to be with somebody who, who you're observing in this moment, having a completely different relationship over here and saying something completely different to you like that puts up red flags for me about this individual's sure. integrity in this moment and and the way that they treat relationships and value, partnership value, the relationship value, communication, um, even just uh, what is the word? Uh, monogamy and like the sanctity yeah, yeah. <laughs> of a robot. Monogamy?
0: Wait a minute. Where's that coming from?
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it, he's doing all of these things to her as, as right. well. So I, I come back right to where you stopped. What do you want? Do you really want that? Like, I know that was the plan and I know that was what you're hoping for, but in a world of limitless possibilities where anything is possible, Do you want, is that if you could have it all your way, is that what you would choose is someone like that? And maybe this, and maybe the answer is no. And if it's no, maybe this was the, the greatest shift or diversion or, you know, like switch of events to move you onto the path that you're supposed to be on instead of going back to this old path that is no longer suited for you or no longer beneficial for you.
0: I, I could see a conversation with her, say, 20 years from now, where she calls it a wake-up call.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a wake-up call.
0: Yeah, it's a rough one, no doubt. It's, right. It's a rough way to, to, to get a wake-up call. But she but got honestly,
1: it. I would yeah. rather be on her side than on the other woman's side.
0: That's even rougher.
1: Yeah, yeah, I in my opinion, I I would be devastated if some I was pregnant with someone's child and they were planning on like we're planning on moving in together and starting a family and and all of these things there's all these promises and then to find out he's still hanging out with his ex. Mm. That's not okay with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a, the other piece of it for me with her with with the one who asked this question was not just what does she want in terms of what she doesn't want? Are you sure you really want to have the relationship with this person? But also, what do you want in terms of what an ideal relationship would be like? Mm, great question. Because, because it sounds to me like you're settling on stuff that really is not on your list.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we do that a lot. Yes. One of the best, um, exercises I've ever heard of, and my wife did this one before she met me, a, a lot of people I know who have been together, had this happen with they, the they, the especially the woman i don 't know why it always works better with a woman, but it's the woman who tends to do it and gets the results. but when the woman sits down and writes out on paper a list of all the characteristics of what she wants in a man or in a partner, depending on which kind of relationship in, in, in a primary partner what are the characteristics what is that person like what what are the the things that she values the most that she 's looking for when they do that when they put it down on paper. I have yet to hear a story where they didn't get a partner that had everything on the paper,
1: Mm -hmm. all of
0: it, without Mm -hmm. exception.
1: Mm -hmm. Which to me
0: just shows totally the the importance of being specific about what you want and not settling. Mm -hmm. You don't need to settle.
1: No. And I think a lot of women do settle. And I've definitely been in that boat before um, because of this, this ticking clock. Like literally oh, yeah. when I turned 28, I would have swear to you, Walt, that I could hear a clock on the wall. Like, tick, tick, tick. <laughs> really? Wow. Oh yeah. it was. I don't know why 28, but it was bad at 28. I felt uh, like I really needed to get married and have a baby and like do all these things. I really didn't care with who, like I just needed to get to that stage. I really felt like time was running out. And I'm so grateful that I didn't settle because I had the opportunity to settle. I was even engaged before I met my husband and and that didn't work out. And, you know, he checked a lot of boxes for me, but when I took a step back, I wasn't seeing the reality of the relationship. I was kind of like rose colored glasses, you know, for the whole thing. And there was a lot of things that, that didn't align with what I wanted for my partnership for that future. And I'm so grateful that I didn't settle, that I just waited. And I had this just certainty that the person I'm supposed to be with will find me. And literally my husband we have an office, my brokerage has an office and we do like every week we used to do, uh, open houses and friends and family night. And we do like mm-hmm. this big presentation on money and you know how they could work with us in the brokerage sure. business. And he literally was invited by somebody else and he walked through my door in that time. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. That's great. I love yep.
1: that. And it was like love at first sight.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, well, more, it was the universe delivering what you'd asked for. That's the part that I love right. about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you
0: got specific, right?
1: Yeah. 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 And I really focused on what I wanted, like what I wanted my life to feel like and bringing that into this moment. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to have a joyous life. I wanted to have some adventure. And so I started doing those things with me, like actually enjoying me and my life. And that's when he walked in. That's exciting. I love that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Actually, um, it, it's interesting you're describing that because I'm thinking about what happened with my wife. I said, you know, she'd also made a list. She'd made the list years before we met. She made the list when she was training to be a psychotherapist. It was part of her training was to make that list. And then she hid it away and hadn't looked at it in all those years. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also hadn't been really true to it. She hadn't really believed in it, but she'd gotten to the point where. Literally six months before she met me, her cat died. Her cat of 17 years died. And a friend asked her, are you going to get another cat? And without hesitating, without blinking an eye, without thinking about it all, she says, no, I'm going to get a husband. In other words, her mindset had shifted so much that she was determined it was time to find somebody. And six months later, she found me, which was also a miracle in itself because I was going through my own issues. (laughs) But nevertheless, we did end up making the connection. And when we finally connected... And we got talking about, it. I, I, I remember having a conversation. I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but it was along these lines, like, you know, what we were you looking for? And I, I could see the thought process. Like, you know, there was like the instant recognition and you could tell she was remembering something and the eyes got open and she says, hang on just a moment. And then she went off into the other room. And now look, we're still courting here, right? We're, we're not really very deep into the relationship. I'm thinking where on earth is she gone? But she'd gone to look for that paper from like 10 years before. <laughs> And she wow. found it in seconds. She pulls it up and she brings it to me and literally everything that was on that list was me. That was spooky.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. That was
0: that that was really spooky. I mean, she'd written that list 10 years before.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was, you know, divinely meant to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we said we'd like to do a deep dive. We didn't really anticipate the internet failure in the middle, but we'd like doing a deep dive. We've done our deep dive for the day. I only have three of these to do. We we spent like half the show on one. Yeah. (laughs) Like, wow. It was such a juicy question. (laughs) It is. It's a really good one. And and the other two are actually, the other two I picked because they are mirror images of each other. Mm. One is asked by a guy. One is asked by a woman. Both posted in the same group on two separate days, one day apart. And when you hear them, you'll know exactly why I pulled them out, okay? Okay. So, first one's by the guy. He says, what's up, guys and gals? I got a question. Don't judge me on this one, LOL. So, I want to know, how can you tell if a girl likes you? Female likes male, in parentheses. Is there a body language to look for? Is there something they say, the actions they do, anything would help? And then the one that she posted was, Anyway, there's this guy in my hometown, I thought, in my hometown, I thought everything was okay with us. He started to come in a lot to talk to me, and recently he started to come in a lot less. I thought he liked me that way, too, and now he's avoiding me. I said, if if you wait, I have a couple of minutes to talk. He walked out in his car and left instead of what he usually does and waits until I come out. He's a guy I just talked to but thought he had liked me that way until what? He, what he did yesterday. So does that mean he's avoiding me? And I'm thinking, wow, these people are asking about the exact same thing. They're asking about body language.
1: Yeah. Isn't
0: that interesting?
1: Super interesting. And it's so interesting how we get all in our head instead of just asking. Yeah, how about that? Why don't you just ask? (laughs) Like, Did I do something to offend you or upset you or, you know, or the really courageous question of, I am interested in you. Do you feel the same? Like, I like you. Check yes if you like me too. Like, it <laughs> it's really goes back to grade school. Like
0: It does. Let's just yeah.
1: ask. Yep.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to me uh, that both of them were so focused on the body language, like you say, that they forgot to ask. And, yeah. and kind of the way I was thinking about it is they were relying on the body language instead of the communication. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and the really tricky part, I mean, yeah, there are certainly, there are body language, we, we could both list a whole bunch of things that are body language signs that that men and women give off. But the bottom line is, the body language of the other person that you're meeting who you're going to end up spending a large chunk of your life with is not something that you're likely to get right off the bat. You learn it over time. hmm it's not something that you know somebody can hand you a manual and says, "Well, okay, here are the, he's doing this, that, and the other thing. Oh, well, that means he's interested." That's not yeah. the way it works.
1: <laughs> no, and your perception is is based on you know your past. So yeah. in the past, if you know somebody flirted with you or was nice to you or something like that, it meant that they were interested and. And maybe for this person, they're just a bubbly, flirty personality. You know, I would be nice to people a lot and and in my brokerage business and and I would often get asked out and I'm like, oh no, like, am I, what am I doing to Mm. like, send off this vibe that I'm attracted? Cause I'm not, I'm just, I'm just trying to be nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So I think you (laughs) just cut right to the chase and ask.
0: I was actually reading up on this lately. Um, there was somebody who went into a school system here in Connecticut, I think in the Westport area, and they wrote up an article. I think the article was actually written a couple of years ago, but they had it, it was written from a psychology perspective, and they'd gone in and interviewed all the kids in this middle school. And the, the first thing they had asked for was, can you tell me who the most popular kids are in school, and can you rank their popularity? And interestingly enough, virtually the entire class all agreed that who the top five were. And they almost all listed them in the same order. Wow. Which was really interesting. So the researchers dug into it a little bit more, interviewed all the people who were involved in all this, and began to notice pretty quickly what the patterns were. And the patterns were pretty straightforward. The one who was the most popular, and the others were pretty close in terms of the way they were rated um, by the other students, but the one who was the most popular was kind. She was fun. She was smiling. She smiled a lot. She laughed a lot. She didn't criticize people. She wasn't judging people all the time. And she'd go out of her way to defend people who were more vulnerable. Mm. In other words, she was the kind of person anybody would want to hang out with. Yeah. And there was also another interesting story. There was the girl who used to be the most popular one. She was now like in the top 10, but she was near the bottom of the top 10. And what had changed is that at some point there had been some sort of a dust up about something. And in a fit of peak, she had posted this really nasty screed in response to it. And when she did that, her popularity fell off. Mm. Isn't that That's Interesting. interesting. So the kindness factor played a really big role when you, when she demonstrates the kindness or when any of them were demonstrating the kindness, male or female, it it applied both ways. Kindness went a long way. Nastiness or judgmentalists, that, that would bring you back down. It Mm -hmm. would knock you further and further down the list. So there's a very clear message in there. I mean, you, you describe yourself as being nice. I think you, I think you're actually more kind than nice. In fact, I think there's a big difference between nice and kind. I think nice, nice is a little bit fake. Kind is genuine.
1: Thank you. Well, then I'm kind.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I think you are. I really do. Thank you. I wouldn't have asked you to be a co-host if I didn't think you were. To be perfectly honest. Well, so, thank yeah.
1: you. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I got, coming back to that that communication, something that I strive for in my life is to hear people when they're talking to me and to yeah. make them feel not necessarily special because that feels like inauthentic because it's not difficult to make someone feel special every single time, but just to pay attention to them as if, you know no one else exists because i feel yes. like we don't get that a lot in our conversations cuz you know there's there's like the phone and there's you know a beeping over here and this over there we're so distracted all the time that i've i've paid a lot of attention or tried to pay attention to the human that i'm interacting with and nothing else to to give them that that they're due in that moment and i think that's like the the epitome of kindness or goes towards that kindness
0: it's also the epitome of good communication
1: mm-hmm. because
0: by doing that you're demonstrating you are a communicator
1: mm-hmm. I, and I say that listen. as somebody
0: that you actually well that you actually want to listen and that you also want to to tell too you're willing to to share not just be a listener and you and you're willing to to listen as well not just be a, a talker you want you you want to be both mm-hmm. that 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 makes a huge difference i, I mean I think back to when i was in when I was in high school, especially I was like a wallflower. You may not believe that, but I really was. I was like one of the shy ones, and and I I was tall. I was shy, so I kind of hid in the background, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Any any photo, of course, I was tall, so I'd be in the background anyway. But I I hid in the background, like like Mm -hmm. you. I don't want you to see me. And I I was not happy with myself. I was not happy with anybody that I knew. I was not happy being at school, and it showed. Yeah. And so, guess what? I wasn't one of the more popular boys in school. What a shock! Mm I didn't feel good about myself. I didn't feel good about communicating. I didn't feel good about receiving communication. Of course, there's not going to be any popularity porn out there. Yeah. How can there be?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, because we're calling into our universe, whatever we are in this moment. So if you're not feeling good about it, you don't want to, you know, if you want to hide, you don't want a spotlight on you, which is kind of what popularity is. Everybody looking at you, looking to you for direction and how you react. And, you know, you're a leader, inside of that tiny little school or whatever your classroom and you did not want that And,
0: and speaking of being the leader there was a there was a little sub story that came through about the one her name was Tori I think who was the more most popular girl in the class and she not intentionally but she cemented her status as the top person in the class when one day a boy named Jason I think it was who was not one of the more popular ones for whatever reason was getting pelted with a ball by some bully type people, you know, just kids were just being mean to him and, and teasing him and so forth. you were throwing this ball at him and so forth. And in the midst of all that, she, wa- she saw what was happening. She just walked over to him. She didn't say anything to anybody. She didn't say anything to the boys throwing the ball. She said nothing. She just walked over to him, took him by the hand and walked into the guidance office. And Aww. that action in the eyes of virtually the entire school cemented her as the most popular girl in the school.
1: Wow. What a woman.
0: Yeah, right. And she's in middle school, for goodness sake.
1: Yeah. Wow. That shows so much about her, like kindness, but also Mm -hmm. courage. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm going to stand up for what I believe is right and just and good. Like, that's, especially for a middle schooler, like, wow.
0: (laughs) And good caring, too. She cared for this boy who was being abused. And like, no, I don't want him to be abused anymore. Mm -hmm. I care about him. I'm going to demonstrate that I care for him. And I'm going to help him get get out of harm's way and and get this handled. And so she just did it. No no thought. Just go out and just do it. Wow. That was great.
1: Yeah. Wow. We can learn so much from children, too.
0: Mm, Yes. I've said that for years. I I don't think I've told you about this. Most of my listeners know about this. I actually helped to found an alternative school. My wife and I both did. Really? Um, I got founded one year to the day after 9-11. And it was—it's a very alternative model. It's not at all typical education. And the, the main way to explain the differentiation is that the kids are completely in charge of their day, not just in charge of their day—they're in charge of running the school. What the inmates are in charge? Yeah,
1: that's <laughs> and, fascinating. And is—is is the school it, still going?
0: It's not, although there's a good reason for that. The good reason is. The people who played a main role, including myself, I was actually one of the main leaders, um, moved away from the school. Mm. And the people who remained behind had some good people among them, but they ended up getting tripped up on their own egos in some ways. Uh, And yeah, yeah, it it was, you know, it it, it sort of fell apart. One of the key things about this school, and by the way, we didn't invent this model. This was invented by a group of people in, uh, Framingham, Massachusetts back in the 1960s when there was all this, you know, educational experimentation going on. Well, this was one of the experiments and it's a, it's a fabulous model, but the one way you can trip up the model is the adults can mess it up. Yeah. Not the kids, the adults, the adults mess it up because the adults have this, this long built-in tendency to say, I'm the adult. I know how to fix this. Mm -hmm. And they're almost always wrong.
1: Yeah. I know what's better for you.
0: I know what's best. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah wow oh, that would have been you, cool to watch that though like watch oh. the children and how like i i don't know i just imagine that they'd be running everything from i don't know that you let them run the finances but like we let them run the finances they did
0: we they ran everything now they they looked to us for guidance yeah because they didn't know how to do it right you know but we literally gave them the power and once they had the power when you get the power and the authority, all of a sudden the responsibility comes with it. You. you can't separate it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And once you're feeling the responsibility, I mean, talk about how quickly it grows. Them up. Now, I was able to stay for like the first half year of the school. And I loved the experience of, of watching what these kids were doing because almost all of them had already been in the regular public school system. Yeah. And so they had stuff they had to unlearn because they were used to that old way of doing things. Now they had to take on personal responsibility and they had to take on school responsibility. Yeah. And one of the most fascinating parts was learning how I'll never forget this one incident that happened. It was very early on. Um, we were using a church facility and, uh, basically using the, the church school area. That was, that was the area we were using. And, uh, three of the kids had been horse playing in the nursery and actually broken one of the nursery beds. And so the question was, well, what's going to happen now? Okay. How do we deal with this? And because I firmly believed in the model and I was kind of like the adult on on the scene so to speak during those first few months i really stuck to the model and i said okay you guys you're gonna have to solve this one now they they have this little thing called a judiciary system and so we had set up our own little mini judiciary and it's very small school like you know nine kids in the school this is not a big school so it was very um uh what's the word i'm looking for it it was a very rough model at that point because we were still feeling it out the kids were still feeling it out so we had our first judiciary meeting to deal with this issue and I said, okay, so what's going to happen? I just sat back and they're looking at me like, well, aren't you going to run the meeting? No. Nope. No, I'm not going to run the meeting. You got to run the meeting. And they spent the next 20 minutes trying to figure out a way to convince me to run the meeting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Ah, so then what did they do?
0: Well, after they, they kept trying and trying and I kept making it clear, no, sorry, I'm not going to solve this one for you. They said, well, we'll just forget about the whole thing. I said, okay, that's fine, but the church will probably kick us out. And they didn't want that because it was the kids who made sure we opened the school. They liked the idea of the school. They wanted to have the school, you know, so they were, they realized this school that they had, they knew was really rare could actually be taken away from them because of this incident. What the hell are we going to do about that? Yeah. And so they actually had to work out between the three of them because the three of them had also been, were on this judiciary, had also been involved in the incident. They had to figure out what to do. And they actually worked out a solution. It was actually a good solution. They, they, they basically worked out a way to raise some money to pay to fix the bed, but they did it. Wow. And it was wonderful to watch their mental processes. They did it. Yeah. It's just wonderful to watch. First of all, it reinforces all the old notions that kids can't do this stuff is nonsense. Yeah. It's total nonsense. They're perfectly capable of figuring out this kind of stuff, especially if you stay out of their trouble, out of their way and, and stop making trouble by going in and, and trying to fix it for them.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and secondly, The growth that happens in front of your eyes is astonishing. Yeah. Absolutely. And not just in that incident. I mean, I would see it on a daily basis. Literally, I mean, there are no classes. The the kids, they they looked at whatever they wanted to look at. They studied whatever they want to study. They got interested in whatever they wanted to get interested in. And even when they were just getting interested in stuff that would seem to an outsider as being, well, that's kind of stupid. Why is he doing that? You could see the learning happening if you watched Mm -hmm. you could see you could almost see the the mind working like okay i've tried this i don't like this result i'm gonna go try to do that i'm gonna experiment oh i like this thing over here you could just see them exploring their way through their world
1: yeah that's so fascinating it is yeah i'd love to do that with my kids when i have them
0: i'll I'll tell you this much too um the school in in is called the sudbury valley school in Framingham, massachusetts and sudbury valley has Put out a lot of literature, not surprisingly, uh, over the uh, was it forty years, fifty years that they've been in existence. Uh, one of the things they did is they put out a a data book. They collected data on past and present students, and it was very, it was just raw data and tables and so forth. And I went through that book and I started, you know, basically how do you process that data and turn it into information? And what I, one of the things I discovered is that kids who go through or who went through that school. We're three times more likely to be entrepreneurs than kids who went through a public school.
1: Makes sense. Cause weren't schools originally developed to create factory workers? Good little factory mm. workers. Right. Exactly. Good little exactly. employees. Yeah. yeah.
0: But, but when you give them the responsibility of their lives, they take it.
1: Yeah. And they're creative and they're so smart and yeah. all of the conditioning that we've had over our years on how things have to work or are supposed to work. Uh, if you get them early enough, they don't have any of that. And right. you know, they can come up with the most ingenious things.
0: They really do. Yeah. It's like fun. they can solve <laughs> it's, it's all the problems
1: if we just let that.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you one other story. There is a gentleman from India and I was trying to sit here thinking what his name was. I can't remember what his name is. But starting about 10 years ago, something like that, he went into one of the inner cities of one of the poorest cities in India, and he arranged to have a computer installed on the street, on sidewalk level, in a building, in one of the poorest neighborhoods. And he had it set up with controls that, Kids could operate, but the, they weren't like mice. I mean, it was more like touchscreen kind of stuff. And it was all weatherproof, so they could be out there 24-7 and left it connected to the internet. And then it, and, and the computer was in English. None of the kids spoke English. None of the community spoke English. And he just left it there. There were no instructions how to use it. He just left it there. And then he came back a year later. And a year later, all of the local kids had A, taught each other English. B, taught each other how to use the computer and had mastered it entirely.
1: Wow. That's (laughs) incredible. (laughs) Holy cow. That's incredible.
0: And meanwhile, there are teachers all over the world who are in a dead faint saying, yeah, but what about my job? (laughs) What do you need me for now? (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean... (laughs) There, there's still skills that people need to learn that, you know, right. other people are better at and can mentor
0: exactly people
1: as they come up. And, you know, I think that's so interesting. I just want to say this, that it's so interesting that one of our first um, reactions to hearing something so cool as that. Um will often be, and I think you nailed it on the head when you said that, this fear of like, I'm not going to be relevant anymore. Mm-hmm. And we do this a lot with people in our lives or people that we're watching, you know, uh, Oh, you know, somebody I'm teaching or whatever, if they, you know, finally get it. And now they're, you know, making waves or, you know, being successful or whatever, a lot of people will feel, you know, this, this feeling of jealousy or envy or, or whatever, like this competitiveness When, when truly it's the tide rises all the ships. So, you know, once you start them rising at the whole fabric of society gets to rise with it. It's not just one and now you're being left behind that comes from the scarcity mindset, not an abundance or, you know, a possibilities mindset. So I think we really need to start reframing for society and within ourselves as well. When this comes up of it's not somebody taking away something from you. It's somebody giving you an opportunity to create something that you couldn't even imagine before this point in time.
0: I love that. That's beautifully stated. Absolutely beautifully stated. In fact, you you, you stimulated one more story. So I'll tell you one more Sudbury story. This is also one of my favorite stories. There, there are a bunch of them that I love, but I love this one particularly. Um, one of the great fears, you mentioned fears. One of the great fears that parents have about sending a kid to a school like this is they won't learn the stuff that they need to learn in order to function in life. They won't learn to read. They won't learn to write. They won't learn to, learn to do math. They won't learn sciences. They won't learn all this stuff. And it turns out that none of it is true. If really? you just leave kids on their own, all of them, the, the subway school found this out really clear uh, over their 40-year, 50-year period, that if you just leave kids to their own devices and don't interfere, they will all learn to read by age 12, every single one of them. A lot of them will learn to read in a way that you can't even identify, even if you are an administrator on the premises. You can't see it happening. Really? And in the cases where you can see it happen, it's usually because one student is teaching another student. They're they're helping each other get there.
1: Mm, Beautiful. But
0: one of the really fascinating stories, though, this is what I want to tell, is the story about a group of kids who basically disproved the notion that kids in a subway school or in a, a open school like this will learn how to do math, that they won't do it. It won't happen. Yeah. Well... This particular case, the kids wanted to form. The, the The school is known for having all these interest groups, all these kinds of you know activity groups and so forth that get created spontaneously. And sometimes they need funding. And this one particular group got formed, and they wanted to have funding. And they, the the school meeting, which runs the whole thing, uh, said, "Well, you, you can have it, but you're gonna have to figure out how to raise the money." That's the usual answer. And so they had to figure out, well, we're, how are we gonna raise this money? And then they began to realize, well, we got to understand math in order to handle some of this stuff. So they went to one of the staff members. They don't call them teachers. They call them staff members. They went to one of the staff members who was also one of the uh, head founders of the school and said, we want to learn how to do math. And now you also have to understand what it's like from the perspective of a staff member because they're so used to the experience that I had where the kids look to you to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times in their experience, it was not only the the kids looking to you to solve the problem, but the parents of the kids were egging the kids on to go to the, to the, the teacher to solve the problem. So the, the staff member's first reaction was, your, your parents put you up to this, right?
1: <laughs> no. Nope.
0: And the kids said, no, 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 This is our idea. We really want to do this. So after he was finally convinced that they really wanted to do it, they worked out a, a schedule and they said, okay, we're going to have these classes on these days. You have to agree to it. They actually, they wrote it right as a contract, which is really interesting. And then they sat down and started doing it. And they did, they did it using the teacher's edition of a regular public school, um, math book and, the, the kids would actually go through, and they they would learn from the teacher's edition. They go check the answers, and they try to figure out how do you get to the answer. They were, you know, they're basically doing the whole thing themselves that way. And then he was there basically to, you know, if they got stuck, help them getting past the stuff they were stuck on. It turned out that they learned the first six years, grades one through six, of math in ten weeks. What? <laughs> and he wow. went to a local public school where he knew uh, a head of a math department. And he talked to the math department head, and he said, "Have you ever heard of anything like this?" And the math department head said, "I'm not surprised at all." He said, "Really?" He said, "No, I'm not surprised at all. Why well, The only reason that it takes six years is we we've learned we have to spoon it out to them a little bit at a time. They won't absorb it any faster than that. If they really want to, they could learn it all in ten weeks. That's not an issue. It's just that the kids won't learn that fast, so we have to we have to spoon feed it to them
1: because they don't want to learn it when you're forcing it down their throat, you know."
0: How about that for a, an insight, right? Mm-hmm. S- forcing it down the throat is actually counterproductive.
1: Yep. So true. I think about my own math class. I learned so much more. Mm-hmm. If I had the desire, it's so interesting yeah. because I'm a, a, you know, financial advisor, broker. So right. I'm yeah. By, by day, part time and coaching business with abundance <laughs> consciousness. The other times in my life, it's very fluid. Um, but it's so interesting because I am really bad at math. Like, are you really (laughs) atrocious at (laughs) basics in math? But the more complex stuff, like working a spreadsheet, figuring out complex math problems and solving these problems, that's easy for me. My brain thinks very very differently. I don't know. I've never seen anybody do it, but where it's like kind of all over the place, picking up pieces and it's like, Oh, here's the solution. And then I can back engineer it and show you how I got there, but it works very differently. Like the people that I've trained my agents that I've trained, they're like, do you need to slow down. (laughs) We can't follow you (laughs) with all of this, but it's, it's hilarious because that is so in-depth and intricate and so complex, all of this stuff. And I understand it very, very well. And I know how to do it, but basic math, you asked me some basic, you know, multiplication questions and I'm like, huh? <laughs> nope. Can't do it. Uh, never had a desire to learn it. Cause it was forced down my yeah. throat. You just have to memorize it. I didn't want to memorize those things. I just into the value I guess <laughs> I don't
0: know and I I think most people can identify with that I, I there's a uh, a basic term that we use about people who have trouble with reading and writing we call them illiterate the mm-hmm. same term can be uh, 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 kind of amended and applied to mathematics that's innumerate and mm-hmm. I would say that the large chunk of the, mo- of the population are innumerate and I say that because I'm really good at math I'm yeah. very very good at math and I know what it's like to deal with people who aren't yeah. and, and I could just see it. it's so obvious to me that they were terrorized with math.
1: Yeah. That's the I only word know. I can
0: think of to describe it, terrorism. It is a terroristic approach to teaching mathematics that we use in the public school system. Yes.
1: And then I oh, asked myself, history.
0: if that's the way it is with math, how many other subjects have we done that with? Mm-hmm. How many different subjects have we forced down kids' throats and driven them away when, in some cases, they actually would have liked them?
1: hmm Yeah. I love math, the complexity of mathematical problems. I I took, you know, chemistry and like organic and inorganic chemistry in Mm. college. Loved that, loved figuring out, you know, the line things and, you know, molecules here, there, plus, minus, I don't know. I don't remember how to do it now, but I loved learning that kind of stuff. It was just the basic math that I just, I just shut down completely. And I'm like, I'm not learning it. I don't care what, you know, X times X is. I have a calculator.
0: <laughs> That's know? right. Yes. What yeah. are calculators for? And computers yeah. for good sake. say. <laughs>
1: <That's> right. <laughs> so funny.
0: Oh, this has been great. I, I wish we could keep going, but we, believe it or not, we're actually over our hour. Even if we take out the part that we lost to, you know, the internet disappearing. Wow. So yeah, we just kind of flew all flew, flew through all this stuff. But this has been great. Thank you very much for uh, helping to resurrect this Q and A thing that we're doing now. And I, I look forward to including it more and more as the weeks come up. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Amazing. Thanks for having me today. This was fun.
0: Every week. We want you every week. Not just today. We want you every week. Well,
1: then we'll (laughs) see you And we want you, too.
0: (laughs) That's right. We want all the listeners, too. So we want to thank you very much for being a part of it. And uh, by the way, if you want to be a part of the Q&A, send your question in. Walt at net. It's probably the easiest way to get there. And, hey, we'll be glad to build a show around it. We'll see you all next time here on LAway Today. Goodbye, everybody.